All right, uh, brothers and sisters, praises be to our loving Abba that we're able to gather to study His words and commandments once again. Now, tonight we're going to talk about the mystery of the Gentiles. If you still remember, in our last Bible study, which was the BQA, uh, concerning the deeper meaning, concerning Isaiah 43, 5 to 6, we discovered that the islands of the sea in the far east was a place of origin of the work of Yahuwah in these last days in preparing for salvation. And we also know that the end, the ends of the earth correspond to a major sign which was fulfilled in July of 1914, specifically World War number one. And so during that time, Yahuwah will bring together the tribes of Israel, the house of Israel, so that they can go to Yahusha and to Yahusha continue to declare the will of our loving Father. However, the question we left off with was, why is there a need for Yahuwah to bring together the sheep from the islands of the sea? And the reason why is because of the mystery of the Gentiles. So let's go ahead and look at the mystery of the Gentiles. It's something the, the Apostle Peter, Apostle Paul actually uh, wrote about in the book of Romans 11, 25 to 27. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. By the way, Apostle Paul spoke often about mysteries, the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the Gentiles. And when he speaks about the mystery, it's because it was revealed to him, even though it was not revealed yet to the other apostles. Apostle Paul had an audience with our King Yahusha, and he was privy to some information, to some work from Yahuwah that the other apostles were not. And so he calls this a mystery. And so here's a mystery that Apostle Paul received. He says, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. And it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when they take away their sins. Now what we read about is the work of Yahuwah's salvation. Always keep in mind, ever since the fall of man, Yahuwah initiated the work of restoration, the work of redemptive history so that eventually all people can receive salvation. And so in this plan of Yahuwah, the Bible says both Israel and the Gentiles are going to be saved. Now what is the mystery all about? It's because for, the, for all Israel to be saved, something is going to happen first. What is that? There's going to be blindness on the part of Israel because of the blindness that will take place to Israel. The Gentiles will receive salvation, the opportunity to be called into Mashiach. But eventually, after the fullness of the Gentiles, all Israel is going to be saved. That's the mystery. For Israel and the Gentiles to be saved, Israelites will need to first receive this blindness. Now, what is that blindness all about? Let's read the book of Romans. 11, 7 to 10, what then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. To this very day, 
And David says, let their cable come as a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. And so what was his blindness that the Apostle Paul was speaking about that will happen to Israel? Bible says it is the blindness of the spirit of stupor. This is like a deep trance, a deep sleep. Israel is going to be blinded because even though they can see, they will not be able to truly have understanding. Even though they can hear, they will not be able to uh, understand or perceive the scriptures. They will not be able to find a true Messiah because the Messiah was presented to them, but because of the hardness of their heart, they were given the spirit of stupor. In a way, they were blinded from seeing the Mashiach. And so because they were blinded from see, seeing the Mashiach, when Mashiach offered himself to be king of Israel, to usher in the kingdom, what did they do to our Messiah? They rejected him, and then they killed him. And so instead of receiving salvation, they would be receiving blindness. And because of this blindness, what would happen to Israel? Verse 17, but some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you are also to receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. And so after Israel rejects the Messiah, kills the Messiah, they essentially became like branches who were broken off. They were cut off from the tree called Abraham because Yahuwah goes all the way back to Abraham and the promise he made to Abraham. And so Abraham represented the people of Elohim. Israel used to be a branch of Abraham. But what happened to Israel when they rejected the true king? Bible says they were broken off. And after they were broken off, who were grafted in? The Gentiles. And so because Israel was removed, the Gentiles could now be added in place of Israel. And what is the benefit of the Gentiles being grafted in? The Bible says they can now receive the blessing that God has promised Abraham and his children. We have to keep in mind in Yahuwah's plan of redemption, he wants all people to be saved. But we know human beings are very stubborn. This is why when we go back to history, we know the days of Noah. During those times, people were stubborn. They rejected righteousness and they did what was evil in the sight of Abba. And so what did Yahuwah decide to do? He decided to destroy all of mankind, except for who? For Noah. He set Noah and his family apart to begin anew because the face of humanity, all of humankind, all over the world, they were wicked through and through. So Yahuwah wanted to reset. He pressed the reset button and set apart Noah and his family. But after Noah and his family, what would eventually happen? They would again betray Yahuwah. And instead of fulfilling the command of God to scatter, what did they do instead? They wanted to make a name for themselves and they built a tower of Babel. And so again, they rejected Yahuwah. So after these days, what did Yahuwah decide to do? To set apart again another family. And this time, the family of Abraham. Abram was his name before. What is the promise of Yahuwah to Abram or to Abraham? Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Yahuwah had said to Abram, 
leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so Yahuwah makes a promise to Abraham. What kind of promise did he make to Abraham? It's called an unconditional promise. This is the Abrahamic covenant. It's based upon the promise that Yahuwah makes. What is the first promise? Abram's people, his nation, Israel, they would be blessed. Not only that, through Abraham, all the peoples on earth will be blessed. So the promise of blessing to both Jew and Gentile is right here in Genesis 12. It is an unconditional promise. Yahuwah will redeem all mankind that they can receive the promised salvation. This is why the Abrahamic covenant up until this day, it's still in effect. It's still in effect. Mosaic covenant is no longer in effect because it was already fulfilled by our king, Yahusha. This is why when we think of the new covenant, we can think, think of it this way. The purpose of the new covenant through Yahusha HaMashiach is to satisfy the requirements of the Mosaic covenant in order to fulfill the unconditional promise of the Abrahamic covenant. And so it is Abraham that is the basis of Yahuwah's work, and it is completed, completed by our king, Yahusha. Through Yahusha, we can now fulfill the promises Yahuwah made to Abraham. Now, how was this possible? That all people, including the Gentiles, be blessed and receive the promises Yahuwah made to Abraham. The book of Ephesians 3, 4 down to 6, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Again, Apostle Paul is talking about a mystery, and he's sharing with us what he learned from Yahusha, not what he learned from the other apostles, but from Yahusha for the Holy Spirit. And so it's a mystery because the other apostles do not know about them. It is only he who knows about them. And so verse 5, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets, this mystery, take note, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Yahusha. And so what is the mystery of Christ that the Apostle Paul preached about? It is about uniting the Israelites and the Gentiles in one body. Whose body is that? The body of our king, Yahusha. And so because of Yahusha, guess what? The Gentiles cannot be grafted in. You cannot just be grafted in to the tree of Abraham. You need to be grafted in through Yahusha because Yahusha is the seed of Abraham. And the promises is to Abraham and his seed, not to seeds, but to his seed. And that seed is Yahusha. And so the way by which the Gentiles can be grafted in, they need to belong to the one body of Yahusha. This is why Apostle Paul said, if we are baptized into the body of Yahusha, it doesn't matter what our nationality is. It's really not about flesh and blood. It's about Yahusha. If we belong to Yahusha because we're baptized into his body, then we are added into Abraham. We are part of the promise that will be given uh, to Abraham. And so this is a mystery because during the days of the apostles, after Pentecost, if you still remember that day when the Holy Spirit was received, on that day when the Holy Spirit fell, it was primarily to all Jews, you know, if you still remember. It was the people of Israel, the remnant of Israel, 
received the Holy Spirit because most of Israel, which, represent, which was represented by Judah and Benjamin back then, they rejected the king, but there were remnants of Israel. There were remnants of the tribe of Judah, tribe of Benjamin, and they received the Messiah. And on the day of Pentecost, the remnant of Israel, they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And for the next 10 years, they were propagating the gospel, preaching the kingdom. But it was primarily only for the people of Israel. It wasn't until after about 10 years later that the Gentiles became a major program in the activity of the first century assembly. How did this happen? Let's read the book of Acts 10, 1 to 3. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those who need, uh, those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And so here we have Cornelius, who is not Hebrew. He was not Israelite, he was a Gentile. And what is the characteristic of Cornelius? He was a God-fearing man. And he prayed to God regularly. He helped those who were in need. And so Yahuwah notices him. And so because he notices Cornelius, what does he decide to do? In four to six, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts of the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He is staying with Simon the tenor, whose house is by the sea. And so because of Cornelius's reverent fear for Yahuwah and his acts of kindness, Yahuwah takes notice of that. He sends an angel to Cornelius. And Cornelius sees the angel and he asks him, what can I do? And the angel tells him, you have to go send for this person. His name is Simon, who is called Peter. Who is that? The apostle Peter. And so Cornelius sends his men to go get uh, Simon Peter. Simon Peter arrives, and what happened after that? Let's read 34, 38. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Yahushua Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Yahushua of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. And so when Apostle Paul, I mean Apostle Peter was summoned and he was face to face with Cornelius. What does the Apostle Peter begin to do? He began to preach the good news. And what was a main part of the good news of salvation? That Yahushua Christ is what? Lord of all. That Yahuwah was with him. But he did not stop there. To complete the gospel message, what also did the apostle uh, Peter preach? Let's read 39 to 43. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. 
All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And so what did Apostle Peter preach? Which represents the gospel message, which is all that is really needed to receive baptism. What is that? It comes in two parts. First, Yahushua is Lord. He is the Son of God. We need to believe that. What also do we need to believe, which is part of the good news or the gospel? We need to also believe that Yahushua died for our sins, but he rose again on the third day. That's the second part of the gospel message. You need both. And when you embrace both, when you have faith in both, when you believe in both, your sins are forgiven. And so when this was preached by the apostle Peter, and Cornelius and his household believed in what was preached, what was experienced by them? Acts 10, 44 to 48, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Yahushua Christ, and they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. And so after the preaching of the gospel and the people believed, what did they receive? The Holy Spirit. Does this remind you of something? If you go back on the day of Pentecost, what was the message that was preached by the apostle Peter? Same thing. Yahusha is Lord, the Son of God, and that he was killed but resurrected on the third day it's the same message and it's being preached by the apostle paul by the apostle peter here and receiving the holy spirit was cornelius and his household they were baptized in the name of our king yahusha and so after this event apostle peter talks with his fellow apostles and what does he say to them acts 11 15 and 16 as i began to speak the holy spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. And I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what we find here is that the apostle Peter, he was astonished. He was surprised that even the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit as they did on the day of Pentecost. So this can be considered as another milestone. This was a time marker in the work of salvation. Because now it wasn't just the Israelites who were receiving the Holy Spirit, but also who? The Gentiles. And so the age of the Gentiles is beginning at this point. And because the age of the Gentiles is beginning at this point, what does Yahuwah do now? In the book of Galatians 1, 15 and 17, But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not consult any man, nor did I go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately to Arabia and later returned to Damascus. You know, when Apostle Paul was called, what was he doing? What was he actually doing? Right before he was called, what was he doing? He was persecuting who? The disciples. He went to Damascus so that they can, he can imprison the people who were followers of our King Yahushua. But on his way there, Yahushua calls him. He was blinded, remember? 
And so when he was blinded and then he was able to see again, Yahushua said, you're going to preach to the Gentiles. That will be my assignment for you. And so after this calling, where did Apostle Paul go to? He didn't go to Jerusalem. He didn't go to consult with any other man. You notice that? He did not go to the leaders in Jerusalem, to Peter, James, or John. He didn't go there. Where did he go to? Arabia. Well, who is in Arabia? I have no idea. But who can be in Arabia? Yahushua. Yahushua taught Apostle Paul the mysteries of the Gentiles. He taught Apostle Paul about what he needs to do there in the desert in Arabia for three years. Apostle Paul was there for three years. So he was taught well by our king, Yahushua. This is why he taught things that were not taught by the apostles, the other apostles. Because what he preached came directly through the Holy Spirit by our king, Yahushua. And this was about the Gentiles. This is why he went back to Jerusalem. And after going back to Jerusalem, what did he say? In the book of Galatians 2, 6-9, And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. Also, Paul was on his own. <laughs> he wasn't consulting with the, the leaders of the apostles. He wasn't seeking their teaching. For him, they were co-workers. And so he went to see the leaders in Jerusalem to tell them what was revealed to him by Yahushua and to compare notes, so to speak. And so in verse 7, instead they saw that God has given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me. And they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. And so Apostle Paul now is assigned as an apostle to the Gentiles, the other apostles, an apostle to the Jews. And so now we have a distinction in their work. Take note, the work that was given to each of them did not come at the same time, right? The work came progressively. It wasn't all given at the same time. This is something we need to understand about the work of Yahuwah. His work of redemption is progressive. It doesn't happen all at the same time. This is why when the Holy Spirit descended, who were recipients of the gift of the Holy Spirit? It was the remnant of Israel, namely those who were chosen and elected from the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. And so for 10 years later, after uh, late, uh, 10 years after that, they continued to minister and to reach out to their fellow Israelites. But then eventually, Yahuwah begins a new movement. Yahusha begins to call Apostle Paul, and he moves Apostle Peter, and the calling of the Gentiles begin. And so we see two distinct phases. First, it was for the Jews, and then the Gentiles eventually were to be called into the body of our king, Yahusha. Now, when this is happening, Apostle Paul is speaking now to his Gentile audience, and what does he say? Romans 11, 13 and 15, I'm saying all this, especially for you Gentiles, God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this 
for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous for, of what you Gentiles have, so I might save some of them. For since the rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful. It will be life for those who were dead. And so Apostle Paul, because of his calling as an apostle to the Gentiles, he tells the Gentiles that the reason why Yahuwah God called them after they rejected his son Yahushua is because he wanted to make the people of Israel jealous of the Gentiles. That way they would, they would want to claim Yahushua again for themselves. And so the Gentiles were grafted in after they were removed. Apostle Paul takes over and begins to preach. This is why if you, if you read the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 1 all the way to 15, it's all about the work of the apostles, Peter, James, and John, concerning uh, the Israelites. But from Acts 15 onwards, it's about the work of Apostle Paul. It's about the work of the Gentiles. Jew, then Gentile. Israel, then Gentile. Apostle Paul says, now it's the age of the Gentiles because Israel, most of Israel, they rejected the Messiah. And so who was grafted in? The Gentiles. But does it mean that Yahuwah is going to forget Israel? In Romans 11, 11, that God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery. Of course not. They were disobedient. So God made salvation available to the Gentiles. But he wanted him, he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. So the Bible is telling us Yahuwah is not yet finished with Israel. He's going to come back to Israel. And when Israel finally accepts and makes a claim for Yahushua, what's going to happen? 11.12, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. So Apostle Paul is speaking here about the millennial kingdom. See, right now, Israel, most of Israel in general, right, they have rejected the Messiah, and that blindness is ongoing up until this time. So they rejected the Messiah, the Gentiles are grafted in, and the purpose of the Gentiles is to make them jealous, and they're not going to be jealous of the Gentiles until they see them rapturing. Harpazo. I mean, would you be jealous if you see these people who were raptured, these people who were harpazoed to belong, to be with the king, would you also be jealous? Yeah, that's when it's going to happen. And once they see that, they will accept Yahusha. And when they accept Yahusha, Yahusha will return and the millennial kingdom will begin. So Apostle Paul says, there's a greater blessing when they finally, finally share or finally believe and accept Yahusha as their king. However, what does Apostle Paul warn those who are of the Gentiles? In 1821, but you must not brag about being grafted into the to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just the branch, not the root. Abraham is the root. Well, you may say those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear. Uh, what would happen if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. And so basically, you can be broken off, you can be grafted in. What is the way by which you can be grafted in? Belief, trust in Yahushua. How are you broken off? When you stop trusting in 
Yahusha. And so those who belong to Yahusha now, what we need to understand is we must keep trusting our king so that we can remain connected to him in his body. And so this is the work of Yahusha through the Apostle Paul when he's working with the Gentiles who became members of the body of Yahusha. But what is the promise of our king Yahusha that Apostle Paul spoke about? He says, notice how God is both kind and severe. Verse 23, and if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again, for God has the power to graft them back into the tree. So we can expect that one day, general Israel will eventually be grafted back in so that they can become the people of Allahim again. And when will this happen? This is where we go back to Romans 11, 25 to 27. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. And so we now have basically like a timeline and I'm going to go through this timeline really quickly with you. It started off with John the Baptist when he began to preach and he said, the kingdom is at hand. Why did he preach the kingdom is at hand? Because Yahushua was already there. And who is Yahushua? The king. Because the king is there. And the people who will, rec who will receive him will become members of his kingdom. Well, the kingdom is already at hand. So he was offering the kingdom to Israel. However, what did Israel do? Well, Israel rejected salvation by killing who? Yahusha. And he resurrected. And upon his resurrection, those who were covered by his blood, well, that did not include Israel. And so Israel was broken off the, the, the people of God. We're no longer the people of God. Blindness began to set in and afterwards Yahusha went to heaven right Yahushua went to heaven and then the Holy Spirit came down what day is that they are Pentecost and who received the Holy Spirit the remnant of Israel so the remnant of Israel receives the Holy Spirit and then afterwards we know what happened to Cornelius and the rest of the Gentiles they also received what the Holy Spirit that ushers in the age of the Gentiles and so the age of the Gentiles is about 2,000 years. And so we are still in the age of the Gentiles. Some people call it the church age because the church is all about the Gentiles, including, of course, those who are of Israel who are in the body of Yahushua. We are presently in the age of the Gentiles. But after 2,000 plus years, eventually, the remnant of the lost sheep of the tribes of Israel will be called. And then shortly after, there's going to be a rapture. This will take place on trumpets. After the rapture, Israel is going to be jealous. And so they begin to repent. And they begin to accept our King Yahushua. And they are grafted in on atonement. And after they're grafted in, they begin to receive salvation. Because they now have accepted Yahushua. And Yahusha gives them the kingdom. The kingdom is the millennial one. It is established. This corresponds to tabernacle. So that's the timeline that the Bible gives us in Yahuwah's work of restoration in 
the last days. I don't know if you notice, but uh, the blindness of Israel takes place right after they rejected the king, and it's ongoing. And the blindness will only be taken away when they begin to repent and mourn the, the piercing of our king, Yahusha. And this likely will take place on trumpets on the day when the assembly is raptured to meet our king, Yahusha. But you notice that uh, the age of the Gentiles is central here, right? You see the age of the Gentiles? And when you look at the age of the Gentiles, and when you look at this arrangement, what do you see? What I see is a chiastic structure. You notice that? There's a chiastic structure of the timeline of Yahuwah's work of restoration through Yahusha in the last days. And so here we have the chiastic structure in this outline form. We have in the beginning, the kingdom is at hand, but it was rejected. And at the end, the kingdom will be received. That's why there's going to be a millennial kingdom. And then B, Israel rejected salvation by killing Yahusha. And then in part B, in the, the counterpart, Towards the end, Israel received salvation by accepting Yahusha. Do you see the mirror reflection, the chiastic structure? C, Israel is broken off. Letter C, Israel is grafted back in on atonement. And then D, Yahusha ascends, and then he descends as the assembly ascend to meet Yahusha in the air on trumpets. And then we have the remnant of Israel called the remnant of the lost sheep of the tribes of Israel are also called, and it meets all in the center, the age of the Gentiles. And so we now are in the age of the Gentiles. The age of the Gentiles goes from F all the way to D, the rapture. That's called the fullness of the Gentiles. So something happened, though, during the age of the Gentiles. Remember, Yahuwah and Yahusha, when Israel was removed, they grafted the Gentiles and so for 2,000 years, it's called the age of the Gentiles. But something happened during the age of the Gentiles. What happened during the age of the Gentiles? What happened to the assembly during that age? Well, a lot of things happened. For example, number one, Trinity and pagan practices and celebrations were incorporated. This is why shortly after the death of the apostles, people began to preach a different Yahusha. He became god incarnate then he became the trinity three three persons in one god right and they introduced pagan practices easter christmas what else do we have lent other practices that involve pagan celebrations they were incorporated into the, the, the so-called christianity what else what happened during the age of the gentiles worship of idols and images relics holy relics, images, idols, and statues that they use for worship. Number three, removal of the sacred names of Yahuwah and Yahusha. And number four, the desecrating of the Sabbath. You notice the Gentiles, well, they were not in favor of the Ten Commandments. Why? Because to them, the Ten Commandments is only for the Hebrews. And even today, there's a lot of people who have that right oh the ten commandments that was only for the israelites it's not for us in the days of yahushua isn't that the mentality of a lot of people i mean this is this used to be our belief before i mean before we were removed from where we came from we even had a different set of ten commandments right but 
many people today, not just where we came from, so many religions who call themselves Christians, they don't believe in the Ten Commandments. They reject the Ten Commandments because they say that's only for Israel. Oh no, the Ten Commandments was given for the people for them to be saved. Yahusha, when he came to initiate this, the new covenant, the same commandments still apply, the Senten commandments. And so what we have here when the Gentiles came in, what the Gentiles did was to impose their beliefs about their God, their pagan beliefs about God, and all these things began to develop. You notice these four corruptions of true faith, what do they have in common? These four corruptions of the true faith. I'll give you a hint. Do you still remember the Ten Commandments? What is commandment number one? Have no other gods. Commandment number two, do not make an idol or any likeness. Commandment number three, do not take the name of the Lord God in vain. They can't even make, they can't even put Yahuwah in there. And then commandment number four, remember the Sabbath. And so the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments that Yahuwah has given us, well, that's all about a person's relationship with you. Yahuwah. It's about worshiping Him, right? This is why no other gods. Do not make an idol. Do not use His name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. This all pertains to our relationship with Yahuwah. The four commandments given to us, it corresponds to the Gentile corruption of the faith. Do you see that? Looking back at during the age of the Gentiles, the Trinity and pagan practices and celebrations. Well, that's a desecration of commandment number one. Because the Bible says no other God except for who? Yahuwah. Well, if you're going to have the Son, the Holy Spirit, to be also God, well, that's a violation of the first commandment. When you celebrate festivities that does not honor Yahuwah, well, then you are also having other gods, right? And so the Trinity, pagan practice and celebrations, that's an incorporation of pagan ideas, Gentile ideas that corrupt the true faith. Worship of idols and images, that's pretty clear, right? I mean, before, during the days of the apostles, when it comes to worship, they did not have those statues or images. It was only after the death of the apostles that they began to incorporate worship of idols and images. What else? The removal of the sacred names of Yahuwah and Yahusha, because the Romans and the Greeks, they wanted to hide the name of Yahuwah and Yahusha, and when translations were made of the, te the, the scripture text, they made sure that they would cover the name of Yahuwah and the name of Yahusha. This is why we don't have it in our modern text. It was covered by L-O-R-D, right? And number four, of course, the Bible says, the command says, remember the Sabbath, but they desecrated the Sabbath and changed it to what? Sunday. And so what we see, because the uh, Gentiles were called into the assembly, they brought with them pagan influences and the faith was corrupted. And so what is Yahuwah going to do? Ah, the remnant of the lost sheep of the tribes of Israel is going to be called. For what purpose? I believe the purpose for why Yahuwah has the work of calling the lost tribes of Israel together, it is to restore the corruption that was brought in by the Gentiles. Is that true? Well, how can we prove that? What is the proof of that? Well, what do we need to understand about our calling and our election? 
In the book of Isaiah 43, 5-7, do not be afraid because I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. We studied this in our last lesson, right? We know the time frame ends of the earth. When is that fulfilled? At the beginning, at the first trumpet of the seventh seal. How many seals are there? Seven seals. What also is the time marker? It is also the one corresponding to World War number one, July 27 or 28, 19, 14. So that's the ends of the earth, the final set of Yahuwah's long suffering. So this took place 1914. The Far East, Mizrach is used there for East, and so it is far east, but far west, and also north and south. And so this is a gathering, not just from the east, but from all over the world. But it will, it, the, the east plays a prominent role. Why is that? Because in Jeremiah 31, 10 to 11, hear the word of Yahuwah, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, he who scattered Israel will gather him. And so this gathering will also take place in the far off place made up of isles, or islands in the sea. And we know, because we've studied about the islands of the sea, we know that to be the Philippines. And Yahuwah is going to do work in these last days. He will again set his hand a second time, and he will bring together his people, not just from the islands of the sea, but from all these places, Assyria, Egypt, Paphos, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and today, this corresponds to a lot of people groups. Like, for example, there are people in India today who are being called. People who are calling on the name of Yahuwah and Yahushua. There are people in Africa today who are being called, calling on the name of Yahuwah and Yahushua. And so we have many different people groups, but Yahuwah is the one behind them all. But there's also a major work that will start in the islands of the sea in the Far East. And how can we recognize them? In Isaiah 43, 5-7, it mentions they will be called by the name that Yahuwah has created for His glory. What is that name? It is Yahusha, because Yahuwah gives His name to His Son, Yahusha, which is the name of salvation, and it's by that name that we are going to be called. And so this prophecy, in its completion, was fulfilled in the assembly of Yahusha. So what we now have is in the beginning, in the first century, the calling of the remnant, the remnant group. That is mostly Judah and Benjamin. Because the lost tribes of the sheep of Israel, they were elsewhere. They were scattered throughout the nations. And then afterwards, the calling of the Gentiles. And still later on, during a time called ends of the earth, the calling again of remnant Israel, but this time from the lost sheep of the tribes of Israel. So now we have Judah and Israel joined together in the one body of our king, Yahusha. And when will this take place? 1914. And so from the calling of the remnant all the way to the calling of Israel, the tribes of Israel, all of that constitutes what we call the fullness of the Gentiles. So basically we can say it begins with Pentecost because when Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descended, there was a pre-grafting taking place. Israelites first, and then Gentiles, and then Israelites and Gentiles, and then all of a sudden, the lost tribes of Israel in 1914. So what is the work of the people who are called in 1914? 
It's basically to restoration. So from 1914 until the completion of the fullness of the Gentiles, what we have is called the work of restoration. Now we can test this. Is this true? Is it true that the work given to the assembly of Yahushua, those who were called according to Isaiah 43, is it true that their calling is the work of restoration? Well, we have to test that. And so we need to look at Isaiah 43. What work was given to Isaiah 43? We know Isaiah 43 identifies a people who will come from the islands of the sea in the far east during a time called ends of the earth, and they're being called by the name of our King Yahushua. And so what work is given to them? What is one? Let's read the book of Isaiah 43, verse 10. You are my witnesses, says Yahuwah, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. And so here, the Bible is telling us what we are to do. What is the work of the people who are included in this work of Yahuwah, bringing his children together? One work is to be his witnesses. What will they witness about? That I am he. Who is the one speaking there? Who says, I am he? That's Yahuwah. And what does he want us to witness about or to proclaim? That Yahuwah is the only true God. Because there's no God before him. There's no God after him. So Yahuwah is the only true God. And this is what Yahusha also taught us when he was here. Yahusha spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Yahusha Christ whom you have sent. And so what was what is one of the works entrusted to those who were called in Isaiah 43? One is to proclaim that the Father is the only true God. However, when we proclaim the Father is the only true God, are we berating the Son? No. Yahusha says that the Son is being glorified by the Father. How is the Son being glorified by the Father? Authority was given to him, eternal life was given him, and for him to give it. And so he was given the authority to give eternal life. And Yahushua says eternal life is this, that they may know that you, you, who is that? The Father is the only true God. And so this is really the only passage we need to debunk the idea of the Trinity. The Trinity says in one God there are three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy the Spirit. But the Father, the Son says the Father only when the Son says the Father only, that excludes the Son, that excludes the Holy Spirit. When the Son says the Father only, it means the Father without the others are the, is the only true God. And that's one of the work of, that's one of the work given to those who are called in Isaiah 43. And so to serve as witness that Yahuwah is the only true God and to remove pagan influence associated with other so-called gods. What else is the work given? Isaiah 43, verse 10, You are my witnesses, says Yahuwah, my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. The Bible says we are to proclaim Yahuwah to be the only true God. And at the same time, we must reject gods who are formed. Formed. What do you mean gods who are formed? We read Isaiah 43. Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 43 are connected. 
in Isaiah 42, it tells us what is being spoken of here as God's being formed. In Isaiah 42, verse 17, they shall uh, be turned back, they shall be greatly ashamed, who trust in carved images, who say to the molded images, you are our gods. And so when the Bible speaks of God's form, the Bible speaking about carved images and statues and molded images that people used to worship. And so to them, it's like a God. But the Bible says do not have any God's form. And so he was speaking about idolatry. That's another word given to Isaiah 43 to preach against idolatry. What else? Isaiah 43 verse 12, I have declared and say, I have proclaimed and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore you are my witnesses, says Yahuwah, that I am God. And so what also does Yahuwah want us to do? He says, you are my witnesses. In part of witnessing for Yahuwah, it's not enough that we say that he is the only true God. We have to also declare and proclaim his name. He says, that's what the Bible says, Yahuwah, I am God. And so we need to show the people, tell the people who the only true God is, and that is Yahuwah, right? And how important is that name to Yahuwah? I am Yahuwah, that is my name and my glory. I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Isaiah 24, 15, therefore in the east give glory to Yahuwah, exalt the name of Yahuwah, the God of Israel, in the islands of the sea. So this is one of the works of those who were called in Isaiah 43, 5 down to 6 to witness and to proclaim the name of Yahuwah. Not only the name of Yahuwah, but also the name that he created for his glory, which is what? The name of Yahusha, because Yahuwah gave his name to Yahusha to be the name that is above all names by which we are to be saved. So that's work number three, to proclaim the sacred names of Yahuwah and Yahusha. What is work number four? Isaiah 43 again, verse eight. Bring out the people who have eyes, but are blind, who have ears, but are deaf. And so the Bible is kind of specific here about people who were initially called, and now Yahuwah tells them, bring them out. Because in Isaiah 43, five to six, God brings them together, right? This is the work of bringing out. Isaiah 43, five to six is the work of bringing in. After bringing in Isaiah 43, 5 to 6, the Bible says, bring out the people who have eyes, but are blind, and who have ears, but are deaf. And so there's like a separation taking place between those who have eyes and can see, and those who have ears and can hear. And those who may have eyes, but are blind, and those who have ears, but are deaf. So who is the Bible talking about? When... In Isaiah 43, 8, it mentions the people who are blind and deaf. Like I said, Isaiah 43 and 42 are connected. Let's read what it says in Isaiah 42, 18. Hear you deaf and look you blind that you may see. Who is blind but my servant? Or deaf, as my messenger whom I send. Interesting. Who is blind as he who is perfect and blind as Yahuwah's servant. Seeing many things but you do not observe opening the ears, but he does not hear. Yahuwah is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will exalt the law and make it honorable. And so what does it mean to be blind and to be deaf? It simply means 
they cannot observe, they cannot hear the importance of the law of Yahuwah. What is the law of Yahuwah? The Ten Commandments, the Torah, the Ten Commandments. And so they are disregarding the Ten Commandments. This is what the Bible calls them blind and deaf. What is the will of Yahuwah? What is the work that he wants to do to restore the law, to make it honorable and glorious again? And how will this be done? Who did he associate this work with? Let's read Isaiah again, 42. For he shall not fail, nor be discouraged till we have set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. Bible says the isles will be an important, uh, an important place. The isles in the far east, an important place because Yahuwah is going to bring a group of people there together, right? But the Bible says they're going to wait for the law. I, Yahuwah, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand, will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentile. Remember what the problem was with the age of the Gentiles. The Gentiles brought in a lot of doctrines that were influenced by pagans. And so for us to be able to restore that, we need the light of God's law. This is why bringing the law or the Ten Commandments, it will help us undo the corruption that was done by the Gentiles. To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and then that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Let them give glory unto Yahuwah and declare his praise in the island. So one of the works that we have to do is to proclaim the Ten Commandments, which is the foundation of the law of Yahuwah, because that would be corrupted by the Gentiles. And what specifically um, in the law does Yahuwah want restored? In the book of Isaiah 56, 4 to 6 and 8, for this is what Yahuwah says, I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to Yahuwah, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, and who hold fast to my covenant. For the sovereign Yahuwah, who brings back the outcasts of Israel, these are the remnants. It says, I will bring others to besides my people Israel. And so there's the outcast, the remnant of Israel, Yahuwah will gather them together. And they are the ones who will proclaim the law, including honoring the day of Sabbath. This is why one of the works that we are to do is to make the Ten Commandments glorious again, including the Sabbath. And if you notice what we basically are doing is when we make the laws of God, the Ten Commandments, glorious again, we're emphasizing the first four, right? Have no other gods, do not make idols or images, do not make, take the name of God in vain, remember the Sabbath. And when you look at the Ten Commandments presented here, it corresponds to the corruption that was done during the age of the Gentiles. And so what do we need to do? We need to undo what was brought in so that we can have Restoration. This is why the work that was given in Isaiah 43 is one, to serve as witness that Yahuwah is the only true God, basically to debunk the Trinity. Number two, to preach against idolatry. Number three, to proclaim the names of Yahuwah and Yahusha. 
and number four, to make the Ten Commandments glorious again, including the Sabbath. All correspond to the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments. Do you see that? Do you see how it was corrupted by the Gentiles and how it is being restored by the work given to those who are called according to Isaiah 43? This is why we can say now the work given to the assembly is the local restoration. It started out pretty well. Because when 1914 came about, Brother Felix Fanal, he began to preach the word of God. And what did he preach? He preached about the only true God, that he is the father, right? And he also preached against Easter and Christmas and the pagan influences that have crept into the faith. And so he basically fulfilled number one, right? He also preached against the idolatry when he was here. He was in the Philippines preaching. Most of the Filipinos were Catholic. And almost everyone had their idols and images all over the place. Right? But he preached against Catholicism. He preached against idolatry. This is why the first two were fulfilled during the days of Brother Felix Manila. But we know it's not yet done. We have to fulfill all of it. Yahuwah does not want us to complete only half of it, but all of it. And when it, when it comes to the work of restoration, what do we need to understand? It is progressive, right? And so the work of restoration must be completed because number three and number four has to be fulfilled. And so when this work of restoration is completed, then we can be prepared for the fullness of the Gentiles and the arrival of our king, Yahusha. But why does Yahuwah not restore everything at once? Why does he take his time, right? Why in Yahuwah's timeline, he doesn't do everything all at once? Let's read the book of John 16, 12 to 13. Yahusha is the one speaking here, and he's speaking to his apostles. He says, I shall have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. In other words, they cannot handle all the truth at once. Too much for them. And so he says in verse 13, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. And so the Bible tells us, Yahushua King, speaking to his apostles, he said you cannot handle all the truth. You cannot bear all of them now. This is why... Yahuwah's work when it comes to restoration is one piece at a time. It's not restoring everything at once. It is a progressive work of restoration. And this was true even in the days of the apostles. It began with the Jews and then with the Gentiles, right? There's progress and it comes to the work of restoration. And when it comes to the work of restoration in these last days, we have to follow a timeline as well. Why? The book of Daniel 12, 4, 9. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and sealed the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. There are things that we cannot understand. There are prophecies that are not fulfilled until later on during the time of the end. The truth of the matter is, most of the prophecies in the Old Testament, they have not yet been fulfilled. 
It will fulfill, be fulfilled at a later time. But there are some prophets being fulfilled now. And so Yahuwah has a timeline. He has his own way of doing things. And so he does not do things all at the same time. He follows a plan. He follows a purpose. Can we understand fully the plan of Yahuwah and his purpose, including the timeline he has and the work of his restoration? Romans 11, 33, 36. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know Yahuwah's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. What is the reason that we cannot expect that Yahuwah is going to do everything at once? Because in his infinite wisdom and knowledge, and we are unable to understand infinite wisdom and knowledge, it is impossible for us to take everything all at once. This is why Yahuwah operates one step at a time. Progressive revelation of his plan. And so when we go back to the work given to Isaiah, to those called according to Isaiah 43, the first two was fulfilled during the days of Brother Felix Manala. And the question always comes up, why? Why would we call in the name Yahuwah, Yahusha? Why would we keep the Ten Commandments and keep the Sabbath when Brother Felix Manalo did not? What's the, what's the answer there? It's not his time. It was not time. We must realize Yahuwah operates according to his timeline, his plan, not our plan, not our timeline. Why? So that we can place our trust in Yahuwah, not in a man. Because if we're going to say, well, it was not taught by Brother Felix Manalo. I must not call on the name Yahuwah. I must not receive it and believe in the Ten Commandments because it was not taught by Brother Felix Manalo. What are we doing? We're placing our trust in the man instead of who? Yahuwah. Part of showing trust in Yahuwah is agreeing with his timing according to his revelation. And so when we look at the work given, Right? We have question mark. We know the first two were fulfilled. What number three and number four? Well, when, what is that going to be fulfilled? According to the timeline of Yahuwah. When? Well, let's read the book of Zechariah, because remember, it's not according to our timeline, but according to Yahuwah's timeline. When is this purpose to be fulfilled? Let's read Zechariah 13, verse 9. The third I will bring into the fire. I will refine them as like silver, test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say Yahuwah is our God. And so when is this work of proclaiming the name of Yahuwah, when will it begin? After the fire, the testing of fire. After the third group will go and be tested like gold. In other words, this is a work for the remnant. Those who will come out as gold. Because once you come out, you become gold. You, cut, you start like a gold ore. And when you come out, you're like, uh, how, many, how many ounces of gold do you have left for every pound of uh, gold ore? Not much. A remnant. The remnant, when they come out, they will call on the name of Yahuwah. And so there's always a remnant among Israel. If you still remember, in the first century, there was Israel and there was a remnant. 
What was the difference between the remnant of Israel and Israel in general in the first century? Israel in general, they were blind. How were they blind? They could not accept Messiah. This time around, the blindness is about the law. They cannot accept the name in the Sabbath and the Ten Commandments. But the Bible says during, there's going to be a time when, according to his purpose and pleasure, his own wisdom, they're going to begin to call upon the name of Yahuwah. When is that? After you come out of the fire, the remnant will begin that work. When, what does it mean when we begin to call on the name of Yahuwah? In Acts 2, 17 and 21, we read this earlier. We know that in verse 20, the sun will become dark, the moon will become as red as blood before the terrifying day of Yahuwah comes. Then whoever calls on the name of Yahuwah will be saved. So according to the timeline of Yahuwah, people, the people of God, will begin to call on his name after the testing. The remnant will come out, and this will take place right before the day of Yahuwah. This is why this is going to be done or be fulfilled in the latter parts of the ends of the earth. Because when we consider the ends of the earth becoming like the last set of 120 years of Yahuwah's long suffering, how many years is that? 120, right? So you have the beginning of the first 120 years. Now you have the latter parts of the last 120 years. And that's when we're beginning to fulfill these two parts. Is it true that we proclaim the name of Yahuwah and Yahushua? Yeah, when did, when did we begin to proclaim the name of Yahuwah and Yahushua? I think it was like December 2019, right? And then we didn't know it, but eventually we also began to proclaim the Ten Commandments, including the Sabbath. And so we must continue to do these works because it is mandated by prophecy those who were called, according to Isaiah 43, we must fulfill what Yahuwah wants us to do. And that's these four assignments. And this is the work of restoration. What will happen shortly after we begin to work out this work of restoration? Acts 3, 19 to 21. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Yahushua, your appointed Messiah, for he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago to his holy prophets. You see, Yahuwah in heaven has a son, and soon Yahuwah is going to tell his son to go, right? But the Bible says he stays in heaven until it's time for the final restoration of all things. This is why we need to keep completing and keep doing the work of restoration. Why does Yahushua wait? Why does heaven wait for restoration to be completed before Yahushua can return? Let's read the final passage of our studies today in the book of Ephesians 5, 25, 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. He did this to dedicate the church, the assembly to God, and his word after making it clean by washing it in water in order to present the church, the assembly, to himself in all its beauty, pure and faultless, without spot or wrinkle or any other imperfection. Brothers and sisters, this is the work of the assembly now, to complete the work of 
restoration. Why? Because what Yahuwah wants and what Yahusha wants is for Yahusha to dedicate the church to God, perfect, without any imperfection, right? Yahusha will present the church to himself. What is that pointing to? When the Bible says, in order to present the church to himself, what is that? When he brings the church to himself, he assembled himself. Isn't that the harpazo? When the assembly will ascend and Yahusha will descend and meet in the air, that's the harpazo. So he's going to present the church to himself and then he will dedicate it to God. But to receive it to himself, what does he want first? That it be pure and faultless, without spot or wrinkle or any other imperfection. This is why we need to work according to what was given to us to do to complete that work of restoration. And this includes not just preaching against the Trinity, not just preaching the Father is the only true God. This includes not just preaching against idolatry. This includes also proclaiming the name and the meaning of that name. And also to, again, make honorable the law of Yahuwah because the Ten Commandments is how we can express our love for Yahuwah and for Yahusha. People ask, how can you prove that you love Yahuwah? How can you prove that we love Yahuwah? You cannot just say, I love you, Yahuwah, because there's even a minister I know who said, there's no need for Sabbath. There's no need to call the name because what is important is love. That's true. We must love God. But what does it mean to love God? Obey the Ten Commandments. To obey the Ten Commandments is to love God, to love Yahuwah. This is what we need to restore. This is part of our assignment. This is part of our work. Why? So that when we achieve this level of purity, when we become without spot and wrinkle or any other imperfection, then we are now ready for the King to receive us. And that soon, brethren, it's no wonder it is only a remnant. But that remnant that is left, we must work together as one. Does it mean that during the past 2,000 years or so, during the age of the Gentiles, before 1914, does it mean nobody were saved? When people ask that question, does it mean nobody was saved during the age of the Gentiles? Of course there were people who were going to be saved. Why? Because there were people who placed their trust in Yahusha. There are people who believe in Yahusha. And their lives were influenced by Yahusha. I believe they're saved. Because those are the essential things that we need to receive salvation. Everything else is for refinement. Everything else is for restoration. So that we can become perfect and pure. To be ready to receive the promised salvation and everlasting life. That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray. Everlasting Father. Most Holy Yahuwah Alahim. Thank you so much for giving us wisdom. We know that you have your plan and purpose. We cannot fully understand all of it, but you share it with us one small step at a time. We never knew when we were separated from where we came from, what you had in store for us. We never knew we were to call on your name, Yahuwah, and your name, Yahusha. We never knew about how important Sabbath was, how important the Ten Commandments are. But now we know.
we did not know before. But you shared with us your wisdom. You have given us insight. This is not our work. This is your work, Father. We are only perplexed why you chose us, why you called us. We don't know why. It is not by works for sure. For there was nothing that we have done to make us worthy. It is by your grace and love. Now that you have given us this wisdom, we will walk according to it. We will proclaim your name, the name of your son. We will make your laws, your commandments honorable. We will do our best to preach about your son, testify of him. But we are but human. We are prone to illness. We are prone to weakness. Father, be our strength. You promise your Holy Spirit. How we need it now. Please give it to your people all over the world at this very hour. We stand together as one with open hearts to you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Strengthen our faith once again. Yahushua, our Mashiach, you have given up your life for the sake of the assembly. We are called by your name, but we know we have much work to do. Help us to be courageous. That can only happen if you stand by our side. It is you that enables us to overcome fear and to remain strong in our calling. Be with us always. Be in our midst and in our hearts. Help us that we will take advantage of what you have given us or our calling and election to make it firm and sure. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. You will be with us in the works that you have given us to prepare for the great day of salvation. We ask and beg everything, Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen.